Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ice Cream for Everyone podcast. I'm Villa Vanderhorst, your host for the show. I'm joined by a really exciting guest today, my friend Vicky Hoffman. I'm experimenting with a little bit of a shorter conversation. Uh, to be really honest, I was just like limited by time in recording, but I thought it would be a good experiment to check a little bit how it sounds to do a bit shorter. Uh, I think it was a really great conversation. I do appreciate having a little bit more time to dig in, and I would have liked to dig into a few more topics, and maybe I'll get to talk to Vicky some other time. Uh, but Vicky's a friend I met this year, and uh, Vicky has a longstanding experience in advertising on the agency side of things, uh, on the account management side of things, and then for a long time on the marketing side of things as a marketing director on the client side, and is has always been an artist, but is now uh, a working artist, and I hadn't had many artists on the show, uh, artists, and I really enjoyed the conversations we've had so far, so I thought I'd ask her to join and get a little bit of her perspective about the creative industry, about being an artist, about what inspires her, and like that, yeah, essentially. So it was a really fun conversation. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. And don't forget, if you enjoy this, it would be amazing if you take the time to post a review on uh, Apple Podcasts. So that's if you are an iPhone user, that's your podcasting native application. That's like if you open your phone and you automatically have a podcast app. And even if you're listening through that, looking at ice cream for everyone, and you leave a review and a rating. Or if you're on a computer, that would be opening your iTunes or if you use some other podcasting app, like however you can leave a rating or review, you can also just like email me directly or send me a tweet. My Twitter account is icvillain, letters I and C, and then villain, W-I-L-L-E-M. Or there's the Ice Cream for Everyone Facebook page. You can post a comment there. You can uh, share this episode or any other episode with your friends. You can check the rest of the episodes on the main website. That's at icecreamforeveryone.net. Everything spelled out, icecreamforeveryone.net. You can send me an email there if you have any recommendations, people you'd like to hear for the podcast. That's at villem, W-I-L-L-E-M, at icecreamforeveryone.net. You can also sign up with for my weekly newsletter, the Ice Cream Sunday. That's on my website. Yeah, that's about it right now. Without further ado, my friend Vicky Hoffman. <music> Thank you very much for accepting. I really, uh, I'm looking forward to the conversation. So I know that, like we've met this year, and uh, and I've really enjoyed the conversations we've had so far. And you obviously have worked in advertising and marketing for a long time, and you're an artist. Mm -hmm. So both having worked in a creative industry and being an artist, uh, I think. Well, I haven't really had many artists on the show just yet, so I'm really looking forward to talking about all of that. And that said, but just to get started, like we've talked a bunch about a variety of things, but to start at the beginning for all of the listeners and myself included, I don't even know where you're from, really. I mean, we might have mentioned it, but I'm not sure I remember. I actually was born and raised in Los Angeles Yeah. and um, went to uh, university in San Diego. Okay. <clears throat> Where'd you study at university? <laughs> Crazy. I studied metal smithing. And enamels glass. Really? Mm -hmm. All right. So let, let's just backtrack for a second. So what kind of 
family environment mm -hmm. did you grow up in before you mm -hmm. decided to do metals the thing? Mm -hmm. Well, oh boy. So my father was an engineer slash architect. Yeah. Uh, my mother, I think, was a talented artist, but she passed away when I was a teenager. And I think of anything I can say, because I do remember talking to my dad about like my decision in my major. And he was basically just do what your heart says to do. You know, if that's art, then major in art. So that's a little bit about my family in a really concise. Yeah. What, what kind of artist was your mother? What kind of artist? I think she just enjoyed it. I think she really loved it. I remember her taking our pet dog, Muffy, uh -huh. and doing some kind of copper work you know, making it into a three-dimensional or kind of embossed thing of Muffy. And um, she would be on the phone and maybe drawing or sketching or something. But she was talented. Wow. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. And she encouraged it. Yeah. That was the one thing that she would encourage anything. Actually, I've got to take my hat off to both of the parents. But, you know, oh, you want to take flute? Great. Take flute. Oh, you want to take art classes? Great. Take art classes. All right, great. Do you, do you think, so, so this is like, a lot of the show is about, I mean, finding out about the people that I'm talking to and their stories and what inspires them. And I, I come back from time to time to like, what is, what are the different sources of creativity for people? And in this case, having encouraging parents that would like, tell, let you go in whatever direction you want. So do you feel that really contributed or... Well, I'm the third of three children. Yeah. So I think... That makes a big difference. Maybe, maybe not. Um, I do think that my parents were probably very encouraging. When I, you know, at the time, they're parents. Yeah, sure. Now that I'm older, I go, man, did I have really excellent parents? You know, and that's the thing I'm really, you know, they were very encouraging. Awesome. Yeah. I didn't hear a lot of, no, you can't do that. And were you experimenting with all sorts of support for art? And, and then how did you choose, well, did you say metalsmithing? Yeah, yeah. Maybe that shows me. Uh -huh. um, I think it did. So I just remember in high school, you know, always being in an art class. And, you know, I remember the one guy in my art class, you know, he actually found some toilet and decoupaged it or something like that. And I was like, are you kidding me? Wow. I mean, that was just like out there. You know, and I honestly, I honestly, this is kind of funny a little bit. I'm sure you'll edit it out, but I think the high school teacher was smoking pot or whatever, you know, so who knows, but how I got into enamels and metalsmithing was, it was kind of fun to take a ball peen hammer and take a flat piece of copper and bang the hell out of it and shape it into something and then put some glass on it. And what I loved about it was the transparency of the colors on top of each other. And then you had to fire it in a kiln for like, you know, 1,500 degrees. I mean, I really just enjoyed it. Well, I would lose myself in that. Great. It was fun to go to class. Thank you. So. And what kind of uh, inspiration did you have uh, or like other artists or people that you looked up to in your growing up, I guess, or teens or uh, studying years? Well, if I was thinking about growing up, I would say Picasso. Don't ask me why, but I really thought his work was amazing. And I didn't know much about Picasso or Cubism or anything like that. In college, um, ARP was another, there was something, Rodin. Again, those are sculpture, sculptural artists. 
But the, those were some of the artists that really kind of lit me up. Hmm. Moore is another one. That's I don't know Moore. Tell me, about, I don't think I know him. Or her, but I'm. It's in the same genre, okay. I believe, of art. Genre. Okay. Yeah. Good. If I'm saying those names right, genre. Well, I'll find out the right. I'll add an introduction and find out and like add the names in the notes. I'm not. Yeah. That's all fine. Uh, all right. So you completed college and then what'd you get on to after that? <laughs> well, again, back to being the third of three children. Yes. Um, I remember coming home. I remember my father was an engineer slash architect. Right. And I asked him one time, I guess in my sophomore year, I'm thinking about art or architecture now. In his mind, he was probably rooting for me to be an architect. But at my senior year, I said something like, you know, I think I'm going to go to Cranbrook and get my MFA. And he basically said, that's terrific, Vicky. That's Master of Fine Arts, right? Correct. Right. And he said, that's on your nickel. All advanced degrees are on your nickel. So the reality was, oh, I, I've got to pay rent and get food. I see. Now what am I going to do with an art degree? Right. Especially in metalsmithing and enamels. <laughs> it's not like there's a plethora of jobs out there. So anyways, you know, you just start to kind of say, well, what can, it's kind of a creative job, you know, thing. What can I do creatively? And I'm pretty good at organizing things. So I got an entry-level job in advertising. And then that career took off. So was it an ad agency? Yeah, and here's the kind of funny things. I remember or interviewing, um, good Lord, it was either like Tracy Locke or BBDO. I'm not quite sure. And the guy, Ed, oh my God, the name is coming to it's me. Funny enough, I'm working, with, I'm working at BBDO and with Tracy Locke quite regularly. Oh, that's right hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> but he asked me, Ed Kennard, I think was his name. And he said, he had all these weird, he shaved his head, I think, or he was bald. And um, had all these birds in a birdcage in his office. He's kind of kooky. And he goes, how about being a proofreader? And I thought to myself, there's not a chance in hell I could be a proofreader. I mean, just was never going to do it. And then someone said, well, you're really good at organizing projects. Why don't you start as a coordinator in the account side? There I went. That's the route I took. Got it. And then did you meet somebody? Like, how did you come up to have your first interview um, oh, it was me generating it. Yeah. It was me just... She contacted a bunch yeah, of agencies. exactly. And went from there. You know, so can, not through do you have a moment contact. to talk? Yeah. I, I'm figuring out what I want to do in life. Cut it. You know, could you give me 15 minutes? Yeah. So, and that, like, and you kept and stayed within the account side of things? Or? Yeah, I yeah. did. Mm -hmm. And you, did you keep art to the side? Were you still doing, well, or just like making art or not so much? Well, basically I left. The art world, yeah. you know, other than a, being an appreciative person of yeah. the arts, um, you know, the kilns required fifteen hundred degrees with what I used to do. You can't set that up in a, an apartment. Remember, no, sure. I had two <laughs> nickels to rub together, yes. and so I just got, you know, okay, well, I'll pick up a camera, you know, and shoot because that's easy. Anybody can shoot a camera, and then, you know. 
I, I am the kind of person that would say, well, I think I can do that project. And the next thing you know, someone promoted me to account executive and then maybe senior account executive and then account soup. And somewhere in my 30s, it was like, holy shit, I'm supposed to be an artist. Now I'm doing marketing stuff, administrative work, you know, how did I get here? There was really, how did I get here? And from there, I said, well, you know, what you should just do is take some evening classes after work at the local university, UCLA. So I started doing that. And that was perfect. It satisfied that creative output. Mm. As long as I took, yeah. excuse me, as long as I was in some creative class like at UCLA, yeah. I was happy and productive at work. That's really great. That's great to hear because it's, it's, do you think, how many people do you think might benefit from having a side activity to whatever like work they're doing? Do you think it would be universal? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I think sidelines are really important. You know, side businesses, sidelines. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Side passions, uh -huh. creativity. All right, cool. And, um, what were your what were your big accounts or big projects or like something interesting or memorable from the whole advertising career? Oh boy! Well, I have been really lucky to work with some of the best creative directors. Yeah, very talented. There was this one poor account that I think I'll just leave nameless a uh -huh. little bit. Okay. <laughs> um, and but it was. The other part is not only did I get to work with really talented creative directors, but Fortune 100 companies. Yeah. And um, we were doing a direct mail package, um, something like by the time it takes you to read this letter, you could already be rented your, your rental car and be on the road, you know. And it was really successful, and we couldn't find anything to beat that direct mail package. It was so successful. So we kept doing it and doing it. And then we had to translate it into different languages, nine different languages. And this for the international program of this car rental company's frequent renter club. Mm. And we were laughing because it was the third year. It was like the same opening sentence. By the time it takes you to you know, read this letter, you could already be on the road with your car rental. We couldn't find another package that could beat that. So I remember that as being one where you just started to get stale. It's like, I can't do this another third year. I got to find another piece of business to work on. So then from that, sometimes I would leave and go to work at another agency or on another piece of business. Cool. I don't know if I answered your question. No, you're absolutely fine. It's perfectly answered to the question. And so quite a few people who listen to this do work in creative industries, marketing and advertising. Uh, do you have any, what would be like your main piece of advice from a long career, having worked in there, to people who are either at the beginning or in the middle of their career? Something that made a difference to yours? Well, for anybody that's in the beginning of their career, just take it on and say, I'll do that. Yeah. Just do, take it on, it's, even if it's, big, if it's bigger than you, take it on, tackle it. The other great thing is Google you know, search it out. You know, if you're doing something, I bet you somebody else has done something else. that's yeah. similar that you can apply it. And I love when I see someone do a really brilliant ad campaign. 
I just think, oh my God, that is a brilliant piece of marketing. There's something going on right now that I thought was incredibly clever. Shall I name? Sure. Well, you can always edit it out too. But Kentucky Fried Chicken. Yeah. I just heard that something like um, four herbs and seven spices. So all they do on Twitter is follow four herbs, like Herb Albert, and <laughs> seven spices, like one of the Spice Girls. That's great. I think it's brilliant. That's fun. I hadn't heard about that yeah. one. That's great. Isn't yeah. that brilliant? But I had heard like quite a few examples from KFC doing interesting things in social media. Yeah. yeah. That's great. I know. I'll check out some stuff and I'll add it to the show notes. Yeah. It just makes me, It's that was a very smart, simple, simple is the under, important word here, underscore that, yeah. idea. Yeah. There are other ideas that, honestly, I think Target did one years ago. This has got to be decades ago, which I think is in response to the um, oh, database of telephone numbers. So what, so what they did was they did wake-up calls from various movie characters like Darth Vader that would wake you up on Thanksgiving Day to go do shopping on Black Friday. So they got a database full of phone numbers for wake-up calls. Brilliant idea. Yeah. I love that. Richard Branson's another one. He just did a brilliant one about two years ago. That stuff I do love. Great. That's the stuff that lights me up and is fun. Awesome. And I know that you, you shifted from working agency mm-hmm. side to client side yeah. at one point. How did that happen? Oh, yeah. I was done with agencies. Yeah. And um, I'm sure a lot of people listening know that feeling. <laughs> yeah, I was just done. I wasn't going to write. I wasn't going to write another conference call report. I wasn't going to deal with another client that didn't know that the importance of a creative strategy was. Just wasn't going to do it anymore. Done. And all I wanted to do was make a difference. Mm-hmm. So if that meant, I don't know, picking trash up off of a high, highway, I would gleefully go pick up trash off of a highway if I felt like my life was making a difference because at the end of the day when they throw dirt on my face I want to feel like I made a difference so somebody called me up one of my I was freelancing and some gal called me from an agency she says hey I know you're freelancing right now um do you can you spare 20 hours a week to help this uh hospital launch our ad campaign and I was yeah, I can do that. I hate hospitals. I hate everything about healthcare, but for 20 hours, I can do that. Only to discover that this was one of the nation's leading comprehensive cancer centers, and it was sheer joy to work there, an absolute treasured experience to support the doctors that are saving lives all over the world. And that gave me purpose. And then we could do these great marketing and great advertising campaigns. Mm, great. What did you learn from moving? I know that's awesome. Thank you very much for sharing that. It's perfect. But, and I wonder uh, from the kinds of ideas that we're talking about that are exciting, that are fun, that are creative, and having worked on the agency side and then on the client side, because we know that Sometimes we think that we really have the best idea possible as an agency and the clients are like, well, no, I mean, there's this to go. Thank you very much. Having been on both sides of the equation, do you still, how do you appreciate the ideas that seem to be either risky or dangerous or it's difficult to evaluate whether it's really going to be making a difference when you have this many dollars to put in your marketing? And is it like, is that like doing something that you've done before seems like a better idea or going for something risky that you don't know if it's going to work or not? 
You know, one of the creative directors that I worked with says, if you squirm and if you're a little uncomfortable, that's a good place to be. So when somebody would present creative to me, mm. if I squirmed and got a little uncomfortable, uh, kind of live with it for a while. It, it may be a good idea. Now, there were some things like, you know, I don't mean to sound funny, but like, I don't even know if this was ever presented to me, but like the war on cancer. Okay, seriously. You know, President Nixon said, that, let's not do that one again. Mm. I mean, that's antiquated. So that wouldn't, you know, so part of me would say the war on cancer is like, okay, well, you know, it's yes. war really, you know. So I don't know, but that was one thing. That was kind of my one gauge is that if I squirmed a little bit, not a bad place to be. Not a bad place to be. It doesn't mean it has to be the creative. Yeah. But that's a good place to be, squirm. That's great. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. And um, now that you're, so now you're back into, well, doing, you're practicing a lot more art. And I know that you've like exhibited in a bunch of different places and you're selling and uh, you paint mostly or? Okay. That's a good question. Thanks for asking, Philip. You're welcome. So, so remember metalsmithing? Yes. Enamels, the layers? Yes. So I bet you this was maybe 15, 20 years ago. I was at the Los Angeles County Museum of Art, and I was, or was it there? Or was, it might have been at Museum of Contemporary. It doesn't really matter. Here in Los Angeles, and Rosenberg and Jasper Johns. Um, I was really looking at the work, and both of those artists use a medium called encaustic. It's basic, it's not basically, it is beeswax, resin, and pigment. And by using that, you're able to use lots of different kinds of materials and you can fuse those materials to create dimension as well as transparency. That lit me up, lit me up. It was back to what I was studying in college. Awesome. So you get that transparency. And I thought, Google, you know, just figure it out. You know, what's this mean? You know, what's the safety precautions if I'm going to use a propane torch? What's it mean? Oh, you best have ventilation if you're using DeMar resin. So that's predominantly the medium I use. But right now, my work is in uh, process right now. It's evolving some more. And I'm using lots of different medium plus encaustics. Wow, that mm -hmm. sounds awesome. And encaustics, for your listeners, happens to be the oldest form of painting. It goes back to the Egyptian period of time. And because of the resin, it really hardens up and becomes something that that's the reason why paintings from the Egyptian period have lasted and survived over the centuries. Wow. Mm -hmm. I'll make sure to add to the show notes so you can send me some links to like some links to look at examples. I guess. Sure. Yeah? sure. 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 Fantastic. Uh, and I usually finish the uh, conversations with them calling the cool down questions uh, okay. that are like related to other different areas, uh, given it's the Ice Cream for Everyone podcast, I usually ask some kind of ice cream related question that may or may not be interesting or working, but I'll, I'll go for a simple one. Do you like ice cream? Yes. Do you have a favorite flavor? Oh, I like almost all flavors almost, but if I was to go to a new shop, uh -huh. I will always try the vanilla. Right. Because if vanilla is good, then I bet you... The others are good too. I actually agree with that particular point. Is there anything in particular to look for in the kind of vanilla that you like? Mm, that's just using really good premium vanilla. All right. Good. And I love it when ice cream places mix things up. Yeah. 
there's, I can't remember it exactly, it just sounds so foul that I blocked it out in my mind, like fish sauce and strawberry or something like that. You know, it's just, it sounds so foul. It's like, but my friend swears by it that it's outrageous. It's wonderful. Awesome. So beauty of tasting. Back to one uh, other topic on keeping side lines and side conversation. I know that you recently uh, achieved something that's pretty cool. And I thought I would ask you about that. Uh, having successfully passed your... Okay, the sommelier course. Yes. Now, for your listeners, let's get this all in perspective. I right. passed the intro geek level. Yes. It's really the geek level. After you is pass, it organized? Is it called the sommelier course? It's or the what is it court, masters of court sommelier. So okay. after you pass the intro level, the geeky geeky level, the next one is certified. Uh-huh. The course after that is advanced. And then the final is Masters, Master Sommelier. I have great, great appreciation for Master Sommelier. I have great appreciation for people who have done advanced. It's impeccable, impeccable customer service that they provide. Their knowledge about wines and spirits, unbelievable. What I learned in the geek level was amazing, and that I passed, Mm -hmm. I truly find remarkable. How did you come across it? Because we live in wine country these days, right? That's exactly the reason why. If I live in wine country, do what the Romans do. So I decided to take this course. Yeah. You know, why not? If if, if I'm going to take the course and I find that I really love it, then might might as well have it be a credit to something in the future. And before you started the course, what was your relationship to what? Like, did you have any favorite wines? I to drink. Just to drink whatever. Let me just make sure I can underscore that. I like to drink wine. So, you know, yeah. But here I live in wine country. You know, I would try something, let's say, at this one winery that was a Nebbiola. I didn't know what a Nebbiola was. Well, I do now. I know that it's a great, you know, and, you know, Sangiovese. And I like, you know, Sangiovese is basically Chianti. Um, This actually is Chianti. Um, So it's great. It's great yeah. fun. Fantastic. Yeah. And I think I, the, the thing I was kind of fishing for, you, yeah. you told me about it the first time, about like what you had to learn. And oh, that, it's, just, it's crazy. Yeah. It was just crazy. Just to give us a sample on like oh. what you went through. Oh, my God. It's just crazy. And the, this was the two-day geek class, remember? It's like, so I had to learn all of the regions of France, and all of the grapes that are grown in France, what kind of soil, what kind of climate, um, how the labels are, what the, what the label will say, what, what it conveys. Then you go from France, you go to then Italy. Oh, yeah, there's a t- boatload to learn about Italy from there to Spain, then to Austria, excuse me, and then to Germany. And then from there, there was, uh, did I get Spain and Portugal in? Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I did. Okay, then South Africa, then Australia, then New Zealand, of course, the USA, um, then Chile and Argentina. The same thing. What kind of soil? What's the topography? What's the weather? Awesome. Yeah, it was something. That's great. I'm so proud. I know that sounds so stupid. Congratulations. But it's like, I passed. I can't believe it. Yeah. Now, don't ask me anything today. No. Even though this was just recently, like a couple weeks ago. It's amazing. And now what's really fun is like stopped off at the local um, grocery store and I was looking for um, a French wine. And when it said something, I go, oh yeah, I know exactly what that is. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. 
And the last point, one of the other areas uh, that uh, we look at in the podcast quite often that is of interest to me is games. So I talk to game designers, I play games. Do you, do you remember the last time you played a game or did you have any kind of games that you appreciate, whether it's sports or otherwise? Well, yeah, sports. Sure, tennis. Yeah? I love tennis. Okay, cool. I actually, on Thanksgiving, my family, we would always play um, dominoes. Okay. It's so stupid. It's such a stupid game. No, but it's, it's really great. fun. We had fun. I do love games. My, I have a game at home that I like to play. It's just the Rolling Stones version uh-huh. of Monopoly. Oh, that cool. makes me very happy to play. Great. Of course, you have to play Rolling Stones music really loud at the same time. Excellent. <laughs> and last part, just to make sure that people know where to find you online, you have a website as an artist? Sure. Absolutely. It's Vicky, V-I-C-K-Y. So all you have to do is spell my first name accurately, V-I-C-K-Y, Hoffman, H-O-F-F, as in Frank Frank, M-A-N.com. And if anybody happens to be, uh, is any of your art exhibited anywhere right now? Yeah, thanks for asking. So right now I have a piece at the San Luis Obispo Museum of Art. I'm also in a pop-up gallery, also in San Luis Obispo, and I show in Los Angeles, even though right now I don't, I'm not in any gallery right now, Um, but I do show in LA. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time. This was a lot of fun, Vicky. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that's another episode wrapped up. A shorter episode than usual, but still, it was a great conversation. I didn't know about encaustic painting, so I hope you learned something about like painting with beeswax and different types of color and different kinds of advertising campaign that are quite interesting. Those are in the show notes if you're curious. And don't forget, you can leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or on Anything just like giving me a sign that you appreciate the show or giving me some feedback of what you think works or doesn't work as well as it could. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from all the people who listen to the show. It really makes a difference in terms of encouraging me to do better and keep improving it, right? Uh, That's about it. We're going to have a few more episodes before the end of the year, but I'm starting to look at how I'm going to be wrapping up the year. It's coming up pretty soon. And that's about it, really, for now. Uh, Good afternoon, good evening, good morning, good night, whatever time it is for you. And talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. (laughs) 